It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it, isn't it? I mean, think about that. It's one thing to be able to say it. It's another thing to actually live it out. So we'll have a little uh, math equation this morning. And I'm just letting you know, I'm sitting here thinking, we moved this TV this weekend, and it's probably not going to work. So I'm just going to go ahead and take care of my distraction and make sure that I don't fight this thing the whole time. See if it's magic. It'll work. Ta-da. Okay. Now I don't have to fight that like I did in July, right? It was okay. It's there. One thing to live it. It's another thing to say it. And so the little math equation we're going to start with this morning is, uh, is right here. Jesus is greater than is the answer to my less than. All right? So you got to do your little greater than signs and your less than signs. How many got those backwards when you were in math? At me, all the time. I never could figure those out. So there you go. Jesus is greater than is the answer to my less than. As we pause this morning and we think about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us and everything that goes with that. That's what we need to remember. There are times, I think, in every one of our lives when we feel like life is going well, where we kind of have things together, um, where we don't feel like we have a lot of gaps that are left needed to be filled in our life. Um, And sometimes in that confidence, we forget the great things that God has done. And then there's other times in our lives when we feel like the gap between us and the good life is just impossible to overcome. And there are times when it's easy to give ourselves fully to God and to his ways. And there are times, to be honest, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, there are times when it is difficult to let go of things and let God lead. And the reason behind that, now of course I could say pride, right? And that would probably be a right answer. There's, there's some times when we just let pride get in our way. But sometimes it's just inexperience. Um, you know, both inexperience and experience can get in our way at times. You know that, right? Sometimes inexperience can get in our way because we sit there and go, well, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know how this works. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes experience gets in our way because we go, I got this. I know how to do this. I know how this is. And we miss out sometimes on both sides of the coin when we either let our experience or our inexperience lead the way. So let me just ask you this question. Think about it in a logical sense this morning. How do we gain confidence? It doesn't matter in what area of your life. How do you gain confidence? I think if you boil it down, we gain confidence when we have proof about things, right? The more times we've done something, the more confident that we become that there's going to be a certain result. Seems like the, the more confidence we have in something, there there's, seems to be a correlation to the amount of time that we've spent doing that thing. And so the first time we try to do things, there's a level of difficulty to them. There's a level of uncomfortableness to them. But then when we do them more and more, they become more comfortable. Now, here's the trick on this. That can be good and bad. The first time we try to do the good things and all, it might be, it might be uncomfortable. It might be something that, that we're not sure of. And we, we try to do those things. And then 
perhaps sometimes it doesn't work as quick as we want it to work or like we want it to work and it takes us a while to build confidence. It takes time for us to build confidence in doing something over and over. And then the same thing would be true is that when there are those things in our life that we maybe know that we shouldn't do or aren't, aren't the best things for us and we do them and maybe the world doesn't fall down and, you know, things don't end right there and we have a tendency maybe to go back to those things and continue to cut corners and do things the wrong way more and more. It takes time for the fruit to grow in any of our decisions. And we gain confidence when we have that proof. You know, if, if someone makes these grand assertions about themselves and they don't give you anything to trust in or no follow through behind them, think about the frustration that that leads to. It leads to mistrust. It leads to disappointment. I, I'm just going to, I'll be honest with you, I had a person in my life uh, who would always promise the world. They would promise the world to you just to get you to do something. And then, you know, I've, I've told somebody before, if all the things that that person promises that have been lost in the mail ever show up, it's going to be a good day. You know what I mean? Because you just finally end up over time figuring out that what the proof says is that their mouth and their actions don't match. And they're just someone who's trying to use you to get something. And so the reason I say that is because there are some pretty, pretty grand assertions that the author of Hebrews makes about the person of Jesus Christ. And so you're going to have to figure out, am I going to place my confidence and my trust in Jesus Christ? Am I going to see these things through and allow God to work in that way? Or am I going to trust in something else in a different way? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Look at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Let me give you a phrase this morning. Culturally accepted sin. Think about that. Sometimes it's not even culturally accepted, it's culturally expected. We, we look at people and maybe they reach a certain age in their life, and we go, well, you know, when I was that age, we just kind of, okay, we all did that same thing. We just, and we just kind of let, let it go. Instead of saying, hey, you know what, don't make that mistake that I made. There's a better way if you'll trust God. We just kind of look at things and go, well, you know, my experience tells me that everybody kind of struggles with this. Or everybody does this. Or everybody does that. And what this word is telling us is that we have a high priest who, first of all, is able to connect with us in a certain way because he has been tempted in every way that we will ever be tempted and yet he did that without sin. Now, can we have an honest moment this morning? That right there short circuits everybody's brain because we can't fathom anyone facing the temptations that we face 
and being able to go through them without sinning. What we tend to do is we tend to go, oh, yeah, I did that too, so you're okay. The reason you're okay is because you make me feel better that I'm not okay. And instead, then we all just get comfortable in our sin. And we quit striving for a different or a better way. Now, that's the gap, I'm just going to say. That's the tension and the frustration of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that God's standard is perfection and we're never going to be able to hit it this side of heaven. But the question for us is do we strive for it or do we just give up and go, well, that's okay, everybody does that. Because here's what you need to understand. Jesus is greater than my experience. If we just base all of our advice and all of our things on our experience, we're going to give limited advice to everyone. We're only going to see it through what we have experience in and how we've seen it go. And we tend to just give up sometimes and go, well, yeah, God, I'm about to preach. I'm just like, I feel it right here sometimes where it just gets going up to here. So y'all just get ready. All right. So we just get going sometimes where we just think that, oh, well, you know, everybody struggles with this and I struggle with this and we're just going to give people grace and let them go. And we quit holding ourselves or somebody else to a standard of life that God is calling us to and yet we just settle for the mediocre because it's acceptable because everybody struggles with that or everybody does that. And we forget that we have a high priest who was tempted just like we were, but he went through it without sin. And we tend to take someone else's advice on how to walk through that instead of looking at Jesus' advice on how to go through that. There, I just preached. You need to look for Jesus' advice on how to do this stuff. You need to stop trusting even your own experience on things. You need to look at your own experience and say, that's broken experience compared to the word and the truth of God. And I need to gain confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and not in the experience of even the most wise person that I know on this planet unless that wise person is pushing me to do nothing but trust and follow God's word. Jesus Christ laid down his life so that we could know that way. John 14:1 he says, "Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me." So we have a choice. My choice. <laughs> my choices are two things. I either do things the old way or God's way. There's your choices. Anything you're facing in life, I'm going to do it the old way or God's way. And you may be thinking, well, the old way, I'm trying to get past the old way. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. So many people look at life like I already said, well, everybody does this, so it's no big deal. That's just an excuse for conformity. And the truth is that I'm, I'm only going to be able to repeat things that history has taught me and others have taught me. That's kind of boring because I'm not even trying anything new. Be different. Trust Jesus. Find a new way to live life. And so when I'm talking about the old way, I'm talking about this thing of, well, you know, let's just try to, to navigate through life in the best that we can and let's just hold on and, you know, God's going to forgive us of this. God actually gives us a path to life. Here's what we need to realize. Some, some people think that when they look at what it means to follow Christ, they view it in this way of, well, you know, God's got this set way of doing things. Now think about this. And if I'm going to do God's set, in stone way of doing things, then, okay, I'm going to have to stop being 
creative. I'm going to have to stop trying to think of new ways to navigate. I'm just going to go back to God's way, which is set in stone. Can I just tell you something? You've fallen into a belief of a lie if you think that's true. That's 100% backwards. Can I just tell you something? God's not stuck. God's never stopped being creative. We are the ones who are and will always be playing catch up with God's creativity and his intelligence. (laughs) There's not one time that something has happened on this earth where it's been discovered or invented that made God go, wow, that's incredible. God, God goes, yeah, there's more where that came from. He doesn't just stop and go, you are so invent. I would have never, never thought of that. God's not up there doing that. God's going, exactly, if you'll listen to me, you'll find these things faster. If you'll trust me, you'll get through this even more because I made it all And there's a new way of doing this. And it is don't trust in your experience only the things that you can see and touch. Now, I've told you, again, I'm in in our daily devotionals online, I'm kind of connecting the dots between the sermons right now. So you're welcome to join us on that. I try to post them by 9 a.m. every day. Sometimes life gets busy. Um, But those are there if you want to connect. And one of the things we talked about was in chapter 1, how easily the author of Hebrews just talks equally about the spiritual and the physical and the reality of them being together. But yet in our life, when we start talking about spiritual things, it's kind of like, ooh, spiritual things. We kind of put it out here like it's something weird and spooky and stuff like that. But the author of, real, uh, the author of Hebrews realizes that the spiritual and the physical are both equally tangible, real, and important. And so when we're trusting in God's way, we have the spiritual and the physical working together in unison in our life to lead us to a new life. If we just rely on our own experience and the things that we can see and the things that we have done, we're leaving the spiritual completely out of it. We're just trusting in ourselves. And so God's calling us to trust in a new way. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. How's that happen? Because God is not stuck. If you put your trust in him, he can make your life new. Every morning his mercies are new. He is a creative God. He is an amazing God. He has been at work from the beginning in creating, and he is continuing to be at work. He is the most intelligent, the most creative. He is the greatest And we will either choose to do it his way or the old way. And here's what we need to understand. Why is it then that even as a follower of Christ, there are times when I know this, but I don't do this? Because saying it is one thing and living it is another, isn't it? Here's what we need to understand. The truth is just, it's simple. My desires can derail my life. My desires can derail my life. Amen? Okay. Just want to make sure 8 o'clock service is awake. We have to take ownership of this. We have to say, honestly, the reason that I don't experience at times the life that God has for me is because my desires lead me somewhere different. My desires can derail my life. 
So what we have to do as a follower of Christ is we have to learn how to tame our desires, how to give those over to the Lord and how to choose to trust his way in things and not the things that we just see or where experience leads or what everybody else tells us we're supposed to be done or how everybody else says that we're supposed to live life or this is how things are supposed to work. Now look, I've had some incredibly intelligent people in my life that give me wonderful advice about living life. I'm not saying we discount those things. Please hear me in that. But I'm saying that we have to trust God more than even that, and we have to trust that God is leading us so we don't just live life like a rubber stamp like everybody else, trying to reach the same goals and doing the same things. God created you uniquely, and he has something for you to do that perhaps no one else is here called to do, and so you trust God and follow him in that way, and that's where this will lead. Look at this, Philippians 4, Paul, the apostle, writes these words. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul writes, the source of contentment is Jesus and nothing else. Whether I have a lot, it's Jesus. Whether I have a little, it's Jesus. Whether things are going good, it's Jesus. Things are going bad, it's Jesus. That's the source of contentment. This is not in your notes, but I would encourage you to write it down or write it on your brain. The enemy targets the discontented. The enemy targets the discontented. As soon as someone's frustrated in a relationship, the enemy's right there to go, see, I told you. As soon as someone's frustrated with their finances, the enemy's right there to go, see, I told you. It's following God's stuff, it's not working. As soon as you run into some sort of issue or trouble, the enemy's right there to go, mm-hmm, see, see. That's not how it's supposed to work. The enemy targets the discontented, and so we have to believe that Jesus has a greater way of doing things. Maybe you've had this experience before. I often love to share with you my mistakes, but sometimes I'm going to share with you some stuff I did right, and so we're going to talk about one of those this morning. That salesman that comes to you, well, you know, Mr. Holloway, I know you're a pastor. You probably don't make a whole lot of money. Wouldn't you love to have some more money in your life? You got that one? You ever had that person come? Let me tell you, I got a way that you can make some more money. And so I'm talking with this person. I'm letting them do their spiel. The whole thing is based off of what? It's a desire for more. The whole presentation is based off of finding that thing that you perhaps have a desire on and kind of scratching that itch for you and making you believe that this thing can fill that desire. And so he goes through all that and he gets to the end of his spill and he's shown pictures of cars and houses and all this. Wouldn't you just love to have this? And from the sincerity of the bottom of my heart, I looked at him and I went, no. And he had no idea what to do at that point. It's like, there were no notes for that. And I say, can I just tell you something? And, okay, again, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you what I said. I said, God called me to ministry when I was 16. And I knew what that meant. And I said, so there's no doubt that I've got desires and wants and stuff at times. And sometimes those have gotten in my way. But here's the truth. I've just learned to be happy with what I have. Would you like for me to talk to you and tell you the secret of just being content with what you have? Uh... Just turn that presentation right around. 
So let me just tell you something. I find fulfillment in doing the things that God's called me to do. I don't do it right all the time. I fall short on some of those things. I mess up. I make people mad. I say stupid things. I do all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, I'm doing everything I can to follow God. And I find great joy in doing that. And the truth is, because I've done it God's way, I've got more than I need. I've got a house. I've got cars. I put kids through college with no debt. I give more than 10% to the church. Would you like to touch my hand? Okay. On that. And then I give beyond that to other causes and other things because God's blessed me so much. So actually, fine. If I get more, it's Jesus is going to give me more. If I get less, Jesus is going to give me less. But I just find my contentment in following God's call in my life the best I can. And he just went, okay. He had no idea what to say. Because he was so consumed with his desires that he didn't see that there could actually be a different way of doing some things. And so hear me clearly, church. The answer to your problem is not more. It's not more. Well, if I just had more time. No, not the answer. Well, if I just had more money. No, not the answer. Well, if I just had more. No. The answer to the things that are causing you distraction, it's Jesus. It's to go all in. It's to believe that he's greater than anything else and to start for live to him, the, living for him. The answer is doing things God's way. And so the author of Hebrews tells us something amazing at the end of this passage is that I can approach the throne of grace. I can approach the throne of grace. I can draw near to God. I can come to him. He has paid the price of my sin. He's blotted out my transgressions and he's made it so that I can actually approach the throne of grace. And not only can I approach the throne of grace, I can approach it with boldness or confidently. Ask you the question at the first of this message, what do you have confidence in? What do you have confidence in? There's nothing greater that you can put your confidence in than the person of Jesus Christ. Because he's faced everything that we're going to face in this life and he's walked through it without sin. And he provides for us the way to approach the throne of grace with boldness and to find life in a new way. He is a creator, creative God. He's more creative. He's more intelligent than anything you can come up with or anything anybody on this earth can come up with. He can satisfy your greatest needs. He can fill your heart if you will pour all of yourself into him. And the way that you're going to gain confidence in that is to follow him, and that's it. Now, there's the one thing I will just confess to you that's frustrating to me as times as a pastor, is that I can't fast forward other people's experiences. There is no quick grow material in your relationship with Jesus Christ or any other relationship in your life, to be honest. The truth is you have to get up every day and make the decision, am I going to choose to do things God's way or my way? And so, but look at some of the things that this word tells us about how we can approach the throne of grace. First, we can approach with confidence because the price has been paid. We don't have to approach with fear. Think about that. We don't approach God going, God, I'm sorry. I, I just, we can approach with confidence, not arrogance. It's a fine line there at times, isn't there, between confidence and arrogance. 
confidence saying, I trust in what Jesus Christ has done, that God, I can come to you with my life and I can bring you these things and I can lay these things before you and I can seek your counsel and I can pour my heart out to you and say, God, would you lead me in this way? I can come confidently knowing that God wants me there so much so that he sent his son to sacrifice to make the path for you to get there so that you can bring your things to him. I can approach without judgment. The reason we can approach without judgment is because judgment has already been passed. It was poured out on Jesus Christ. He took on the sins and God then paid the way for us to be able to come to him. Romans 5.8, you hear me share it all the time here because I think it just says it so well in a nutshell. That God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. God did not wait for us to make that first move. God didn't judge us from a distance and say, y'all need to get your act together and then come over here to me. He reached out himself through his son to communicate to us, to speak to us so that we could have a way. And he said, I'm not going to judge you for your sins. I'm going to judge sin through the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus Christ. But then if you will let that cover your life and believe in him, then you can come to me with confidence, without judgment. And then the last one, and being assured of victory. Being assured of victory. God's way leads the way to victory. God's way leads the way to life that goes beyond anything that you could possibly dream or imagine. God's way leads us on the path to life like no other. Everyone else's worldly advice, mine included, will have limited results. But God, the all-knowing, all-giving, creator God, can navigate your life to a place that nobody else can if you will follow him. And he will lead you to victory. Now, I'm just going to give this last example. God's path and way to victory sometimes <laughs> seems a little odd. Because just think about this. How did Jesus defeat sin and defeat death? By going through hell on earth and dying on that cross and being buried in that tomb. And then three days later by the power of God was raised and overcame sin and death. But to get there, he had to go through the most difficult path. So we can't believe that every path that God might lead us on is going to be easy. Sometimes the way that God wants to shape our lives is to lead us on a path of trusting in him even through the most difficult of situations. But what we can trust is that if we will follow God's path, it will lead to victory. The story didn't end at the cross, amen? We celebrate Easter because Easter is a victory celebration of Jesus Christ overcoming sin and death. And the way that he did it was to lay down his life. So that's our path. We're either going to have confidence in ourselves, in worldly advice, or we're going to have confidence in Jesus. I want to read this one more time. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, 
the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Do you trust Jesus? Do you truly trust Jesus? Not with your words, not with your mind, but with your life. Because it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to live it. Would you pray with me?